0: proximity to each other in disputed territory, the chance that sparks will be struck rises rather dramatically. We're still feeling the effects of the Panic of 37, even though it's been two years since that disaster first struck us. We simply can't afford another war with the British. What's more, I don't believe the public would support such a war. Most people know very little about the rich Oregon country and aren't aware of its potential." According to the most careful analysis the war and navy departments have been capable of making, sir, the British don't want another war with us either. We've beaten them twice, and we beat them again for the simple reason that they can't maintain supply lines that far from home. Remember that London is six thousand miles from Oregon. Oh, they may bluff us if they can, but two can play at that game. Martin Van Buren sighed. "'Ah!' I'm inclined to accept your recommendation, Scott, because I can see no practical alternative to it. But I'll discuss it first with the cabinet and with the leaders of the Senate and House of Representatives before I give my final approval. We have little choice, Mr. President. The United States has an obligation to the members of the first wagon train that we must fulfill. They have the right to expect the government to give them full support and all the help that can be mustered. The officer had touched a raw nerve— and the sensitive Van Buren reacted strongly. "'I need no lectures on my responsibilities, General,' he said, his voice stiff. Winfield Scott flushed and ran a hand through his prematurely gray hair. "'I meant no personal criticism, sir. I was merely speaking in terms of the overall situation.' Well aware that his subordinate was by far the most brilliant of his generals, the President allowed himself to be mollified. The British constitute only one phase of our problem. I'm worried also about Imperial Russia, Scott. Oh, the Russians have sabotaged our wagon train and have renewed their claim to Oregon after abandoning the country, but the Tsar's claim is theoretical. There's nothing theoretical about his government's most recent actions, Van Buren declared. Our legation in St. Petersburg has sent positive information to the effect that Russia has also sent a colony of volunteer settlers to Oregon. "'Good Lord! How are they traveling all that distance?' "'They've gone overland through Siberia, and our St. Petersburg legation says they're currently sailing by the short northern route to their North American colony, Alaska. There, I presume, they'll be transferred to another ship.' "'Poor devils! How many of these so-called volunteers are there, Mr. President?' "'The original party consisted of about two hundred and fifty settlers, Scott.' The Russians will be lucky if as many as one hundred survive a journey of that length, sir. I know. Van Buren nodded gravely. And even if they reach Oregon, it will be a terrible strain for the Russians to send them supplies and reinforcements. We have the natural advantage. Not that I'm decrying the hardships our trains must undergo, but at least they're making the entire journey by land across territory that we've either incorporated within our borders or claim— Then you don't see the Russian expedition as a threat to our own activities and plans? Not at present, although there's no telling what Russia may do. The Tsar is responsible to no one, and requires no public support for any venture he chooses to undertake. Van Buren folded his hands across his paunch. All the same, the Russian settlers, if they ever succeed in reaching Oregon, will create complications and problems for our own settlers— I have confidence in Lieutenant Colonel Blake and the civilian leaders of our wagon train, Mr. President. So do I, Van Buren said. But the stakes are so high in the Pacific Northwest that I stay awake nights. Our people will need to be more than courageous, more than determined, more than clever if they are going to win and keep Oregon. Spring came late to the upper reaches of the Rocky Mountains. But now the wagon train was on the move again after spending the bitter winter at a place they had called Little Valley in the trackless wilderness of the Wyoming country. More than five hundred strong, these pioneer men and women, and even their small children, knew they were making history. Those who had come from the eastern seaboard had crossed the entire continent of North America, and now they were on the last lap of their long, seemingly endless march to the promised land of Oregon. If all went well, They would reach their destination by late summer, and 1839 would be recorded as the year when Americans first established a settlement near the shores of the Pacific Ocean. They were ordinary people.